0: You look well. I'm glad you're getting your rest. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Terribly Funny. I am your host, Steve Bazalone. Um, it's a podcast. It's the one where, you know, I talk to funny people about bad things that have happened to them. And today, well, we've got a funny guy named Clay Tweel. He's a relatively new friend of mine, but he's an amazingly talented director. Um, He's directed all sorts of fun things. Uh, Great documentaries, one called Print the Legend, which you can go see that's on Netflix. Another one uh, that did very well at Sundance and and South By two years ago called Finders Keepers. It's a very bizarre, interesting tale about two men uh, battling over a human foot which sounds crazy, and it is. It's really uh, outrageous and funny, but also just, you know, uh, filled with so much humanity. So definitely go check that, that, that out. That's also on Netflix. But the reason uh, I brought him around here today is because he has a movie coming out July 29th called Gleason. Uh, and it's a documentary about a man who is uh, battling ALS and is uh, trying to do uh, leave a message for his, uh, his, his new son. Uh, it is it is brutal and heartbreaking and beautiful and funny and it's it's uh, kind of a prime reason it's a why I wanted to do a podcast like this because here's a dude who is uh, quite literally having uh, the life kind of taken from him. Uh, you can see his motor functions you know dwindling as as he goes through the days, but still he is full of so much humanity and uh, so much heart and fun and hum- such a great sense of humor, and so the people around him. Um, anyways, go see that, uh, go see all of his movies, uh, but first, before you do that, you know, let's hear Clay talk a little bit on this thing. Okay, great. Let's hear some theme music. The deep end, but there is only one. This is like the first time it feels like kind of like almost promotional, <laughs> mostly because I'm just like a huge fan of the movie, but also like I think like it, it is imbued with so much of like the things that I kind of, like the impetus for this. Yeah, like I, you know, I kind of talked to you at, at the screen, like the moment where after he's had the stem cell and he's like in such tremendous pain, which really like uh, resonated with me because I had this experience where they had like a blockage and nothing would happen and it was just like the most painful. Yep. Um, but then the nurse comes and then she's trying to get the shit out of him, <laughs> and right after she like does, he says like, "Am I the hottest guy who've ever ever ass fingered?" Yes. <laughs> and it's like this amazing moment where, like, it's fucking brutal and sad, but then, like, he still has such, you know, he just has the, the mind to have make a joke in it, and it just, like, brings the house down. It's, like, a, it's such like a and it is a like, welcome crack in the storm.
1: Yes, and it's, like, a huge release valve mm-hmm. for the movie. And, I mean, yeah. to jump right into it, like, that's, yeah. that was one of the hardest things to kind of calibrate in putting the movie together was to where to find those. Right. There was a, a good amount of like funny moments right. in the 1300 hours that we had to yeah, that's wade through mm-hmm. but it was like where do you drop those moments in and where is it organic and where is it appropriate and where doesn't it seem like it's just... A little ham-fisted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so finding those moments and, and having people like laugh and or even just like getting a smile out of people yeah. to be like okay this is not...
0: Life is, life is still okay This yeah. is brutal But like They're still if, if they're able to laugh through it Then you can as an audience Exactly Yeah We also had like It was so nice to have What's it Is it Blair? It's Blair right? Blair
1: Yeah He's uh, the, the caretaker
0: yeah. yeah And he's just like is such a fucking charmer And such a mensch And also Looks like he should be in Point Break <laughs> Like, he's blonde and fucking beefy and handsome and, like, really long hair.
1: He is amazing. They... I mean, they were really worried. They're like, this movie's gonna come out and Blair is gonna get an agent and move to Hollywood because, like, the guy's just a
0: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also, like, the most... He's, like, a fuck... He's just, like, an angel. Like, the shit he does (laughs) throughout the movie. And also just, like, cracking wise the entire time. And, like, not just, like, kind of dad jokes. Like, he's legitimately funny. Like, dirty and raunchy and funny.
1: Yeah. He... Um. So, he was... uh, He's a big fan of Eastbound and down. Sure. and uh, tracks yeah did a yeah. lot a uh, lot of eastbound jokes but okay. while we were editing the movie, you know we're watching all this footage and like it's pretty the, the aggregate kind of emotional response is, is very heavy and, um, and dark right And so every day throughout the course of, of editing, we watched a comedy show during lunch that's nice uh, so one of, we watched the entire all five seasons of Eastbound and Down oh wow we watched all of Nathan For You um, do any of those guys know that
0: or is that like a thing
1: oh I have no idea yeah um, I actually I might have told the roughhouse guys that, that we watched Eastbound but like it was such it was a nice little like break in the middle of the day we're going to sit
0: down we're going to eat and we're going to laugh just a palate cleanser yeah. to just get again another break in the storm yeah, yeah. that's amazing that's, um, as, like, somebody who, uh, spends m- most of my life just, like, writing dick jokes for characters, and, which is great, it's such, like, a fucking joy to do it, but it's also, like, after a while, like, what, what am I, what am I doing? <laughs> Does this matter at all?
1: Am I brainstorming 12 foreskin jokes? Yeah, exactly, to- and wh- yeah. why am I doing
0: this? And then, like, instances like that, where I've had, like, where people have said, like, you know, I've watched this show, or it really meant a lot to me because of my family's like this or because we're going through a tough time. Like those are the kind of the moments why you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's interesting. What did, um, did it ever like kind of seep into your bones in your life otherwise, or how did it affect you as you're like editing it and making it and then like moving forward with promoting it? Oh man. Uh, it's like, yeah. that's like six questions on one. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, like it, it affected me personally. Uh, Emotionally Physically All of those things Like To To be 100% honest uh-huh. It was so Heavy and, and like Scary at times Like I Went to uh, A neurologist Cause I thought That I was having These muscle twitches That I still have Today yeah. <clears throat> That I can't That I That started during The beginning of editing Of this movie And I was like Super freaked out Cause that's how Steve's ALS symptoms started And Uh
0: like I had to go to a series of do- doctors. Um, what was what was your thought process? There was like in the back of your mind, but like this is probably just psychosomatic nonsense. But yes. there's that, that just tiny little voice that's like, nope, this is real.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I am a hypochondriac to begin with. Yeah. So then you know,
0: watching this footage probably didn't. Oh man. Didn't help. Wow. And how long were you watching? it? You're watching it for like months, right? Months. Oh yeah. It Oof. took us
1: three and a half months. It took five of us. So there's, uh, there's five of us watching. There was like co-editor Brian Palmer, two of the guys that shot it, um, shot the vast majority mm-hmm. of it, Ty and David, and then we had a series of interns, like three, four interns coming in helping out too. But three and a half months of just watching oh. before we could even start
0: editing. And at what point did you like? Oh, I need to see a doctor.
1: Uh, yeah, I probably like a month into that
0: was uh were your period did you tell anybody or just like well you you suffered through this silently did you tell like your wife did yeah you i told I, yeah
1: i told mary uh-huh. and uh she knows and she knows how much of a hypochondriac so she's she like whatever man yeah pretty much yeah uh she's like fine go see the doctors uh-huh um but uh but yeah like just the 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 idea that something so small can then bloom out to to be such a massive problem in somebody's life was like really scary. Yeah. Uh and um
0: but uh you know the doctors were just like you just have anxiety. You just have anxiety. <laughs> which is not to marginalize that I I have a very similar experience. So for a year I worked on the Michael J Fox show which um uh three people watched, but it was a great it was a great job and, like, really fun. And he's, like, was always kind of a hero of mine. Because when I was, like, really sick, he these two books about, like, positivity and, like, or just, like, his experience. And even though his experience is wildly different from my illness, it was still, like, just reading that was, like, oh, there's other people. And, like, a guy who I grew up with as a, as a hero is, like, going through some shit. Then, like, it's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be okay. But working on that show and, you know, he, he has said that he's, as an actor, he can play any role, any role in the world as long as the character has Parkinson's. And it's like, so it's like Parkinson's is just like, it was everywhere in the show, which I thought was really cool. And like, that was like an instance where I was talking about earlier where like people, even though nobody watched the show, like a couple of people who did who had Parkinson's in their family would reach out to me and be like, this is, this is like, this is amazing to see this. Yeah. Because like, I feel like you don't see this in life and it also means so much to me. It's so emotional to me. But anyways, I was working on the show and at the time my marriage was falling apart and my mom was slowly dying and like all the stress so that I had like a twitch in my finger <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was just stress but for like a week I was freaking out because one of his books starts off with like he wakes up with a twitch in his finger it was like the exact same thing and for a, a week and a half I was losing my mind but didn't tell anybody because I thought it was crazy <laughs> yep um, all that's just to say is that we're both neurotic creatures so <laughs> it's good for us
1: yeah so the, I mean there's there's lots of uh there's lots of little things like that where you're like yeah why why do I have these like muscle twitches or kind of like um, uh, and i I certainly got so stressed out i have I have gout sure as, that's yeah, fun yeah um as a uh Somebody who doesn't live in the 17th century France and who has gout. Um, It's a bit rare. You eat a lot of nitrates? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just ate hot dogs for the first uh, 25 years of my life. That's fun. A lot of deli meats. (laughs) Sure, deli A lot of shellfish. Great stuff all around. Yeah, pale ales. Uh huh. Um, And uh, so, like, yeah, the stress of it also, like, physically led to, at a certain point, I got, like, a couple bad gout outbreaks, which Mm is. Really painful. It feels like your foot is broken. Oof! And um, so here I am, like hobbling around on like (laughs) crutches, uh, just like going up and down at the edit space, up and down the stairs. Oh man! But so like that is to say, it was it was a stressful time. But I think it really was. And what's what's a joy to me now is like Mm -hmm. everyone is so proud of the movie, and that sounds like all rosy and cliche but like it no. is affecting people and it's like it feels like it's all it was all worth it like it's such an important story to us so um.
0: yeah I mean I, I you know, saw it what three weeks ago and I've uh, been aware of it for because you know you've been friends for a while and like a long time ago Mary slipped me like a sizzle reel Oh yeah. so I saw it a long time ago and I was like even the sizzle reel like bawling my eyes out
1: yeah me too that's yeah it's, that's, a, it's
0: beautiful um, but I was struck by like Okay, let me ask you, I left the movie like feeling inspired and being like, because I feel like after I got healthy, I kind of did the opposite of what he did, maybe because I wasn't living in it, because as soon as I was like sick for such a long time, as soon as I got healthy, I was like, fuck it, not thinking about it ever again. And like, I still get like, there's these various organizations that are like, you know, Crohn's and colitis and stomach issues that I get emails from all the time, because I used to go to support groups and that kind of thing, yeah. and I usually, I would tended to just erase them like, well, that's not part of my life anymore. But he is so active in, like, um, in the ALS community. Like, he's, like, the, the linchpin of it now. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the faces of it. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think that's one of the amazing things about that guy is that he, he could have internalized it. And instead, he was like, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to try to help other people. Right. Which is, like, that's a big burden to carry. Yeah. And... Um, and as we show in the movie, like that burden comes at a cost. Right. Uh, but you know he he just was somebody who, and I'll, I'll back up and say this: the original thought that I had in what the movie was going to mm-hmm. be about was about a guy who, through his tragic diagnosis, finds his purpose in life. Right. So like what I understood of Steve and some of the background and context that I got that. Not all of it made it into the the final movie was after his football career, he did not know what he wanted what to do with do? himself right, and so he saw this diagnosis as an opportunity to like really find his calling and and live every day with a very clear and direct purpose of like trying to help other people try right. to inspire other people um so that was um. Like, that is still in there, and then, obviously, as you know, the kind of movie has a, a bunch of other kind of right. themes and, right. and narratives that we follow.
0: Yeah, one of which, and because we are talking about this uh, on Father's Day, it's like such a big father and son movie. Yeah. Which kind of sneaks up on you a little bit. I mean, it does, it, that's like kind of the impetus for the movie, really, is him talking to his son Yeah, throughout the entire time. So that's like right on the surface, but then you get this undercurrent of with his own dad that comes out that kind of is really surprising you yeah. not expecting that as you're watching it um, to me that but was I always re- get nervous so I just check
1: no that's <laughs> good mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> make sure you hit the record button I have to do that I've, too I've done that before where I've done not on actual recordings but uh, intros and outros I'm like that was a good one ah motherfucker yeah. <laughs> so you know I'm not the smartest anyways continue <laughs> yeah <laughs> um,
1: uh, yeah so f- when uh, when I started looking at the footage and we were starting to piece the movie together and like um, me and Seth and Mary were, we had like discussed the kind of macro ideas of of how to sequence everything, right? But what really kind of coalesced everything for me was there's a, a interaction between Steve and his dad, and his dad is talking about um, the concept of generational sin. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that very just
0: very light concepts.
1: Yeah. Though, yeah. Um, but like, if you take the religious aspect of that out, I think that what he's talking about really was like a through line for me um, for the film, which is here's this guy who's trying to impart uh, who he is to his child. But the way in which he's trying to communicate or, or the lessons that he's trying to, to leave for his son are directly impacted by the relationship with his own dad. So there's this just like trying to compensate for the potential flaws that you see in your in past generations that you want to remedy right um i think i was like oh that's like one of the most universal things uh uh, or universal stories that that you can tell because everybody has to deal with that yeah think about that um regardless of even if you're a parent or not just like how you live your life and so um that that was like oh that's a that's a a way to draw in a lot of audience members, I think. Right.
0: Well, there' are so much. I mean, so many things that I thought were very impactful about it, and I will use this as a at, at some point to turn into actually talking about more about you and less about just just your work. But um, there's a moment that really resonated with me, where they go to see like a healer with his dad. Yeah. Um, and his wife, her name is Michelle. Michelle. Um, you can see in it that it's, like, it's the dad just trying to help in whatever way he can. Mm-hmm. It's, like, feeling helpless and feeling vulnerable and just trying to push a square peg through a round hole. And that Michelle is just, like, kind of furious by this. But, like, he's stuck in the middle, like, trying to make everybody feel good. <laughs> kind of, right? He's trying to placate everybody. He's trying to, help, like, help his dad because he knows he's vulnerable and he's also trying to assuaged his wife it's just like a really like that was like a a moment in my life where my ex and my parents would sometimes get into it because you know my ex felt like I'm in the weeds I'm here doing that shit I'm helping right you're just from afar and I know you're trying to help because it's your son it's your baby but like I got this. And it's like this interesting push and pull that's like, and that scene is heartbreaking. Yeah, there's a
1: lot going on in that scene. I'm glad that you, you as somebody who's probably been through experiences like that, understand that like his dad's just trying to do the best that he knows.
0: Yeah. You know? And And it's like very misguided or at least from my perspective but he's still trying. His intentions are fully pure by and large yes yes
1: yeah um i i think so too and and that's i was hoping that that came across in yeah in in the movie but yeah like the 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 caretaker side of the the film too is very important and whether it's like people who get illnesses like this uh you know it it doesn't just affect them it's kind of reverberates through all their their loved ones as well and so we tried to To get as much of the kind of family perspective, especially Michelle, who's the main caretaker for him, her perspective on these events, because that's not really put out there that much. Yeah. Um, So we're trying to reach out to like caretaker
0: communities as well. I think. Yeah. At some point, I don't remember who said this, but uh, I can't remember. But at some point, when with my with my mom uh, having cancer, somebody said like cancer is hard on the person but it's really hard on the people surrounding them, um, which is making light of, obviously you're, the other person is dying, that's the hard thing, but yeah. it's just amazing, it has this ripple effect that because you don't, have the only, you don't feel ownership of it because it's not actually happening to you mm-hmm. um, but it still is incredibly difficult and still is like permeating so many facets of your life if you are like down in, in the trenches of it
1: yeah. And like a, yeah. it's it's out of your control. Yeah. Kind of thing.
0: Okay, well, let me ask you uh like how going through this did it you had you had gout as a result. gout. So like as you're having gout which is, is as I've broken a toe before, it's not fun. I I assume it's something like that. But, I don't know.
1: By the way, we were at the the Hot Dogs Film Festival uh-huh. and uh we we're up on stage With me and Michelle. I and thought you said
0: we're at the Hot Dogs. Hot dogs. You're just <laughs> I just I just can't get away from Hot Dogs. <laughs> I just
1: wanted so many hot dogs. Neither can I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so we were at Hot Docs in, Hot Docs, yes. in Toronto, uh-huh. and Michelle is up on stage with me, and she just screams that out to the audience like it's. He's like, Clay got gout because of this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, That's you. Yeah. Thank you. Great. you Cool. Michelle. Good
0: stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, like, so how did like working on this, where you see somebody who is uh, seemingly able to take so much adversity and stride, is that like when you have gout, you're like, ah, you know, I can't complain about this. Yeah. Or like, how was it affect? How was like? How is it? You know, uh, permeated your life, or how was it changed you moving forward, or like even looking back in hindsight.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think just like a matter of uh, putting life into perspective, mm-hmm. and that, for me, what the biggest like inspirational takeaway of the movie is uh, would be just how um, uh, adaptive the. The human spirit is like how how resilient it is and how how much like as humans we can deal with some really harsh shit and bounce back like eh, you can maintain if that guy can maintain hope if that woman can maintain some sort of light and hope through these battles then yeah my my gout Mm -hmm. or uh you know um whatever sort of like minor illnesses i have or like oh yeah i have muscle twitches or whatever yeah it is it pales in comparison um and you should just appreciate the ones you love and 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 uh being able to kind of be
0: around them yeah and Uh, communicate and use your body even if you're hobbling with a cane because you're you're a broken gout foot yeah exactly
1: i mean just look and then now i get to like pick out a sweet gout cane yeah
0: okay man being, like, a documentary filmmaker who's a part-time pimp. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: not bad. <laughs> Everybody has to have their calling card. I'm uh-huh. going to get the, like, Jurassic Park, like, you know, oh, mosquito amber. and amber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. good.
0: good. Yeah. Well, life finds a way,
1: man. <laughs> um, Dr. Malcolm's chaos theory at oh, work. Oh, boy. Yeah, that sounds fair.
0: Um, well, is there is Was it transitioning more into uh, your own experience? Um, is there moments in your life in which you were incredibly in the weeds, but then, you know, had these, uh, flashes of, of Blair or what Steve did with just like, you know, that you find, find levity in, in, emit um, something very difficult.
1: Um, yeah, I mean,
0: I've, I'm, I gotta say,
1: I've been fairly blessed to not have a lot of trage- Which is great. tragedy, tragedy yeah. in my, in my life up to this point. It'll happen, uh, don't worry, yeah, it'll yeah, happen. Yeah, eventually. I, I no, I know it will happen, <laughs> um, and, uh, so i think that like one of the one of the most difficult things for me was a couple years ago when uh my dog died when i was out of town yeah and so you know dog was like five years old so it's pretty young and um it was it was pretty traumatic and like that's one of the closest entities to me that has that has died in 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 a like traumatic fashion not yeah. Grandparent who is um,
0: you that know that led, led, led a full life. life. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's, it's interesting because like I, I was aw- aware of this when this happened, and you uh, marry your wife, and you both are like, I, I never met the dog, but I felt like I knew the dog because the dog was all over social media. It was a fucking cool dog. <laughs> it was like a chat. Was a Chow right? It was a. It was like a Sharpay retriever. Sharpay, next. Okay. Yeah. Really cool dog, Kima, right? Kima. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was because like I am a dog person and my dog is over here sleeping his 22 hours on the couch over here beside (laughs) us like I think if you if somebody's a dog person immediately like hearing that story like oh fuck that is brutal it's because it is like such a member of your family yeah that is every day like this guy got me through so much shit he can also be like an asshole sometimes (laughs) he can be like a grump Um, when I say this guy I'm referring to my dog uh, <laughs> um, but like he's gotten me through so much shit. Like he is, in many capacities. Like you know, the, to the colloquial, like he is my, one of my best friends. Yes. Um, I'm just giving context for for yeah the loss a, of a yeah. of a dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know,
1: it, it was for me. Like I, I'm not somebody um, to to psychoanalyze myself for for right. a minute. Like I don't. I'm not very good at expressing emotions or dealing with emotions, and that was the first time where I was kind of hit head-on with, like... These are the unexpected kind of, like, darts. And I can't just sidestep this like I usually do. Exactly. Right. And so I just had to deal with it. And... How was that? I mean... Hard. hard. Uh, And, um... In a way, like, I was... We were on vacation when it happened, and, uh... Um... You know, so it was good to be around family uh to help kind of get
0: through some of that grieving. Yeah. Um and if I'm um, pardon me if I'm if I'm maybe oversharing, but it was Kima went on a hike, right? Yeah, and just got overheated. Just got over-
1: overheated and uh, uh yeah, overheated. It was like a hot day. My friends who were keeping her were taking her for a hike in Malibu and then she overheated and within 24 hours uh, died. Ugh. So, but I, I mean, to be clear, too, I would have been super freaked out mm-hmm. if I had not known another friend's dog who had died the previous summer for this from the same wow. thing. Because I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. You know? Um, and it, Just because they can't cool and their body, the temperature just stays up too high? Yeah. It, it just, like, reaches a certain point where it can't drop back down and then their organs fail. Jesus. Um so, like that was an unexpected death for a friend of ours, and I don't know why, but in my brain I was just like, okay, so this is a thing that can happen, right. not just like. It was a little bit more normalized. Yeah, so. not just a meteor crashing yeah. into uh, to yeah. Russia. Which will happen. <laughs> Which will.
0: Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but like, I remember when I, uh, when I heard that story, I had. Two reactions. One was like how fucking terrible for you guys and then also like I can't imagine being in the position of your friends. Yeah. And what that must feel like. I yeah, I felt horrible for them as well. And But that's also a big of you because some people would be like would be that would be like a termination of friendship. You're out.
1: Yeah, no no way. Those those guys, we love them. Mm-hmm. Like and Mary and I at no point in any part of our grieving, we're like blamed them. Right. It was just this random thing, and that's how we we saw it. And um, yeah, people. Were, I had people come up to me as well, and be like, "Really? You know, you don't? There's no uh, yeah. no ill will. Like, no. That's it, it is as if like in in our minds anyway. Kima just like got loose and got hit by a car. You know. Well, it. and
0: also and also they're doing something that a lot of like dog sitters wouldn't do. They're being like, really <laughs> Taking the dog for a hike, mm-hmm. cool. Um, well, I I also found like in um, it's an I think it's a natural place to go with any sort of mourning or grieving to a place of anger. Yeah, but like I don't know if you like realize the same thing. Like it doesn't get you anything. I think it's also, like, in the movie, you see Steve, like, you see portions where Steve leaves where he's angry. Yeah. But it's, it just, by and large, that's not the overwhelming thing, because it just, you can't do anything with it. Yeah. The, the, the...
1: There's a couple great, um, very powerful moments where he's just like, he just, all he can do is scream, you know? Um, and especially somebody who's slowly being trapped yeah. in, in their body. But, like, for me, I never went to that after Kima. I, I'm not a, a very, I'm, I'm not an angry person. Mm-hmm. I'm not quick-tempered or anything like that. So, I just, I tend to over internalize, um, and,
0: and that leads to muscle muscle twitches and <laughs> probably gout outbreaks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: I also man the amount of like physical ailments that happened to me after Kima died is, I we could that's a whole other. It's podcast. crazy, right? Yeah.
0: I got when this this period I was talking about where I thought I had uh, where I thought I was early onset parkinson's which was just totally me being neurotic uh that was bullshit but then legit two weeks later i had i gave myself shingles yeah which is like a, much like gout it's like the disease of like a 70 year old yeah but but i was just my body's under such stress my body's like no we're out it's fuck pr- this is too much man you're it, getting something it's pretty clear that stress
1: like ruins your, ruins immu- you. your immune system mm-hmm. so um yeah i think uh um like what I I got a floater in my eye I still have still have it Oh wow like that happened like a month after Wait, What is that it's just like one of the you can see like the little
0: string Yeah there? like a yeah like there's it like just a little doesn't go
1: away? soft dot yeah
0: they, it will eventually they say Okay uh but uh that's crazy I remember having those as a kid and I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Just like, oh, it's a. There's my friend. <laughs> it's my little ghost friend. <laughs> my little ghost friend. Oh, hey Norman. Yeah. My my floater. Yeah, my floater. Uh,
1: so uh, but I. What I will say, I think that that happened for me anyway was, I like we got home. I was, I, I just finished working on print the legend. Um and. Still available um, on Netflix. Still available on it. Netflix. Yep. Good plug. Thank mm-hmm. you. Sure. Uh and uh, and then um this opportunity to kind of like. Uh, come in and help finish. Uh, Finders Keepers mm-hmm. came about, and that also movie available on Netflix. Also available on go, Netflix. Uh, it's been yep, a yep. good couple years. Yeah. Uh, so I was like sitting around the house for a week and feeling super depressed, and uh, and then this opportunity to go do this movie, and I I didn't realize it at the time. It wasn't until probably when we were premiering at Sundance that I got to reflect on. Kind of why that movie helped me, right. which was the that movie is a lot about uh, acceptance of loss, right. and um, you know there's there's all sorts of other like cosmic connection between these two guys, and it's a father and son you know dynamic and kind of issues as well there, um, celebrity fame. Sure. Well, there's lots of a things. Lot of things. But for John, who is kind of like the the most central character, um, you know he lost his dad in a plane crash and it like kind of ripples through his the rest of his life and yeah. drug addiction and and all sorts of things. so him coming to peace with that is the journey of the movie right and for me, I was trying to deal with the same thing so like in trying to help find sound bites or or concepts or like strings of ideas, it just like kind of came naturally, like, oh, this is how I feel, and these people are, like, representing that and right. talking about it. Right. So it helped to put that movie together. Uh, all, all the finders Keepers. Finders
0: Keepers, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. You said, you know, you were not... That was one, one facet of, like, moving on with this sense of loss. You just got to channel into into a piece of work. Yeah. But was there any other ways that, like, uh, having, you know, you're saying, not good with dealing with emotion. This is the first time you kind of, like, tackle that, like, head-on. Like, how did that change you or in what way, outside of getting floaters, uh, in what way did that, like, kind of change how you are now or... Yeah. um, added tools to your toolbox, I guess, emotionally speaking. Um, I think it's
1: made me uh less cynical. Yeah. Um, I think I used to be... I mean, I still still have it a little bit, but sure. um, there's this, uh, I don't know who said it, but it's like,
0: uh,
1: it, it was someone smarter than me said, uh, cynicism is the defense mechanism of a romantic, and I think that I let the cynicism take over the romantic part of my brain, right. and going, like confronting something like that made me try to air more towards the light, Right. than just, you know, believing the kind of worst in things. Because you can't, you, it would, life is too hard to, to yeah. focus on...
0: Only the bad shit? Only the bad shit. Yeah, you'd never get out of bed. Yeah. yeah. Because even, even in the good shit, there's bad shit. Oh, we're only, today's a beautiful day, but how many more of these beautiful days do I have left? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. It's uh, paralyzing. Or yeah. it could be. It you, could be. We could all just be Woody Allen walking around. Which is horrifying to me.
1: Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, but so that I think is also reflected in, in some of these these films that I've been working on too, because I do like that kind of like darkness and comedy right. and the 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 intersection of those two ideas. That a lot of that comedy from uncomfortability right. is like my my pocket.
0: it's also interesting that you. You, the two shows that you watched while you are editing uh, Gleason were both all about like awkward yes like the comedy almost <laughs> exclusively comes from awkwardness and, and Eastbound and Down more so like a lot of posturing and hubris but it's still like everybody else feeling fucking super awkward yeah about just a guy making jerk off jokes all the time <laughs> but I love
1: that like I, he is his, his braggadocio is so paper thin like yes. it,
0: there's just there's desperation behind everything really. such a, such a veneer of just a little bit of hubris and the rest is just a tiny little bub. <laughs> yeah um, okay well moving forward with uh, that kind of less cynical outlook uh, has that kind of colored the kind of things that you want to work on in the future is that like did that at did that bring you more towards Gleason or things that you want to work on in the future? Or is it just kind of like, well, this is just an amazing project. I have to do this regardless of what's happening in my life.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say Gleason was happening right around the same time as well. Okay. Like, I'd already started the talks of, of joining Gleason before Kima died. Right. And so I just knew that this story was going to be powerful and I wanted to be a, a part of it. Um, I had other kind of personal connections uh, for the Gleason Storyline My sister, my older sister, has MS. Uh, I'm my family's uh, my dad is Muhammad Ali's lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had spent time with the Ali's growing up, seeing a celebrity like sports celebrity type person right. dealing with an illness. Um, is something that I ex- had experienced firsthand already. So I was right. like, I saw in Steve and Michelle a way to kind of explore th- their story too. Right. Um. So, yeah. For like moving forward, the kind of projects I'm I want to work on, it has helped me narrow down, um, the the tone, and the um, the kind of ground groundedness of stories that I want to tell. Right. Because that's a, that's a it's a it's a niche thing, really. Right. Especially in this town, of like I want to tell grounded stories that are both like. Uh, uh, heartbreaking and hilarious. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, that's not commercial. they like, yeah. well, fuck it, fine. I, but those are the stories I want to tell. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, it's served you well thus far.
0: Yeah. It seems. Uh, it's going all right. Um, here's a question just because um, I know when uh, Duncan, my, my dachshund over here, like years ago, had a bout of cancer. And just was able, like, we're lucky enough to just could, like, cut it out and he was fine. Yeah. Um, but there was periods in that um, where, like, I would talk about it, and I guess my thing is uh, with the chemo, just because there's so many, there's people, most people I think are, like, dog people or understand that. But there are people who don't understand that, and you feel, like, a little bit like, I'm marginalizing what this means to me because it's just my dog, even though it's not just my dog. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right. I mean, th-
1: in terms of like, I, I. Are you saying like because it is, uh, for some people that maybe don't understand, it mm-hmm. seems a little trivial. S- trivial. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fact that I'm um, coming on here and you've you've had uh, uh, very intense experiences
0: in your life dealing yeah. with your mom
1: and and illnesses, and I'm like, my dog died. No, but, but
0: like honestly, like. That but that was that would be, top that would be a top like to the top of the list kind of because it's, you know he's been with me for so much more I know it's he's my a dog I don't have conversations with him but like we communicate in other ways and yeah he's my he's my buddy he's my bro you lose a bro <laughs> yes <laughs> it, it hits you hard yes um yeah I'm, so I was I just like what that experience is is like
1: yeah I'm I uh, I certainly feel a little bit of that I don't I, again I like don't maybe I don't talk about it that much right. because of, I know people have other more serious things, you know, parents brothers, sisters, no. um, any sort of family member that is like blood relative of you is really uh, um, I don't know, it's just like automatically more right. kind of has a higher priority or something, right, right. Um, so I, I, I don't like to to flaunt the the chemo death as like something that impacted my life. And right. Well, I think
0: it's also indicative of what you said, like, you just don't, you, you kind of it seems as though you kind of play things a little closer to the vest in general. Yes. But, like, it was also interesting the way you brought it up was, like, outside of, you know, grandparents. That's, like, you know, that's somebody that you spent a lot of time with. But, like, that seems like, oh, that's the way it's, life is supposed to happen. Whereas yeah. this is another thing that's, like, that wasn't supposed to happen that way. Exactly. And that makes it, like, all the more, like, heartbreaking because it's... No 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 I'm supposed to have like all this more time and this was fucked up and this should not happen. Why why is it happening this way, shaking fist at the heavens.
1: Exactly. Like why? Yeah. Why and and uh you know, that makes me think in Gleason too, there's a guy there's a part yes. where he's like, Why why God, why did you do this to me? Why yeah. did you pick me? Um, so that I kind of, you know, felt Yeah. Uh felt like that was a, a very
0: um That's the heart connective. of like all loss, mostly, right? Yeah, exactly. Why? I remember when um when, when I was first diagnosed and I was like at home, I, was, I went home for like four months and was in the hospital for a bunch of the time and I was like 23 uh, and I remember thinking like what the fuck? Like I eat pretty well, I exercise, I, I don't do any like the crazy things and I have friends out there who like eat, I know they eat fast food like seven days a week Yeah. and like smoke a shit ton and just like do all the things that, which at 23, that's kind of okay, that's kind of your right, but I wasn't doing that Yeah. and I'm the one who's like sidelined like what the fuck is going on here? Um, and there's just no rhyme or reason to it, dude.
1: My come on, my gout. Yeah, like, I don't. I do. I. I don't look like a like an obese.
0: Uh, no, you're, you're a, a lithe, tiny person. Yeah.
1: Uh, so uh, to just like be going out to dinner and people are like, "Why aren't you eating the uh, like, you know, crab or mm-hmm. or shrimp?" I'm like, "I can't really eat shellfish," and they're like, <laughs> "Oh, it's a religious thing." Or you no, know. no, nope. Mm-hmm. I
0: uh, I have gout. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, interesting. So you're a time traveler? <laughs> yeah. You're you, uh, you're a royal from the from the Renaissance.
1: Oh man! So every uh, every time uh, like a uh, person in this group of friends of mine uh, gets married, we uh, for the bachelor party we have a roast. Mm-hmm. That's And nice. yes, uh, which has been fantastic. Um, and when I got roasted, the amount of gout jokes I'm it sure. was just like off the chart. Yeah. It was pretty great. And most of these friends are comedy writers.
0: Sure. so... Yeah, there's this some real some real zings in there. They brought it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good summation, I guess just in general, uh, both of these experiences, because kind of in talking, kind of got to like distilling, it's just like all about like dealing with loss and questioning why and what is a greater purpose. Um, so what have you taken from both of these experiences? Uh, well, I guess all of them making Finder's Keepers, making Gleason and dealing with the loss of a family member. Like what is, what did you distill to be like a higher purpose?
1: Higher purpose um, hmm. That's a big question No yeah. it's a tiny one <laughs> What's What's the meaning uh-huh. of life In 140 well, characters I guess, or less Yeah
0: exactly no, This is going to be a tweet um, I guess less the higher purpose feels very theological But just um, Like a, a mantra or a mission statement Like how is it in terms of yeah? What, how has it tinted your glasses Moving forward
1: um i here's here's the thing one okay. of the things that that got me into um filmmaking was that I saw this was like in college I saw that like you could just like rip off other people's work and mm-hmm. like cobble it together and Take a scene from
0: this movie and yeah, then it'll be like in a scene from this movie and that'll be cool next together and, yeah
1: and I was like, oh well I can use my like visual memory which is pretty good and just like combine a bunch
0: of ideas mm-hmm. and then uh make them make them my own so a pastiche of other people and that's me that's me which is kind of true yeah it's kind of what i am uh, mom dad whatever other influences television
1: exactly yeah. uh so i i i just like accumulate um you know scenes or quotes or things in my brain that i'm like yes that represents how mm-hmm. i'm feeling mm-hmm. now um and so the one that uh, Like It's even in the press notes for Gleason Because I was right. like This sounds super pretentious But This is like how I feel about The movie um, It's a quote from Stanley Kubrick Okay
0: Again Sure man Yeah He's good at what he did
1: He, he was super good mm-hmm. And now I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna lie I have to uh, I don't wanna fuck you it know, up paraphrase
0: yeah, I don't wanna paraphrase Cause then I'm
1: gonna sound the like Coombs mm-hmm. will
0: be furious <sighs> I wish he was still alive so people would just call him the Coobs. passing.
1: <laughs> Do you think Spielberg called him the Cougs?
0: I hope so. I hope so, like when he's thinking about him fondly. Uh, I remember me and Cougs one day. Okay, here
1: it is. Great. Uh, so this is, this is the quote from, from Kubrick that, that like resonates in my life, mm-hmm. which is, The most terrifying fact about the universe is not that it is hostile, but that it is indifferent but if we can come to terms with this indifference, then our existence as a species can have genuine meaning. However vast the darkness, we must apply our own light. Huh. And so, again, like, kind of pulling myself out of what was a, a little bit of a like cynical time of my late 20s and, sure. and early 30s and, and dealing with the acceptance of losses, maybe be like, gotta, you gotta maintain that hope.
0: That's really lovely. Because I think that is the the hard thing to come to grips with is uh, just that the universe doesn't give a shit. Yeah. That's not its job. Yeah. That's really not its thing. Um, It doesn't assign any meaning to it. You do. So try to make the meaning good. Yeah. All right. Well, now Mm -hmm. you have a new dog, so you're doing... It seems like you're you're moving forward.
1: Yes, indeed. BD's been great. We decided to get BD... In the middle of making... Like, we were in the middle of the shit of mm-hmm. making Gleason.
0: And it was super hectic. Just stack some more stuff on.
1: Yeah, so I was like, oh, yeah, Mary and I, let's get a dog now. Yeah. Uh, so now we're dealing with actually having to, like, train her now that we're, the movie is done. Sure. And uh, make her less of a wild child. Well, that's
0: good. You have time for that now. But that's also just like, all right, well, you take a hit and you, you get back up. Yeah. Much like Ali, like Gleason. I'm just I'm just lumping you with all these guys. <laughs> you, the fact you getting a new dog makes you just like Muhammad <laughs> Ali. Um, uh, I will take that. Yeah, I think yeah. you should. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much, man. I really really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yay! Uh, yeah. And it did record. Okay, great. Checked. Yep. I see evidence of you and him. Oof, that was something, huh? Cynicism is the defense mechanism of a romantic. Yeah, that for sure, I am going to be using that at parties for years to come, and I'm going to act like it's mine, like I said it. Uh, So if you happen to see me out and I'm saying that, just let me have it. I need these small victories. Just give it to me, okay? Don't be a dick. Don't take that away from me. I know I'm stealing from somebody, but nobody else has to know that. Uh, Thanks so much for listening today, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, special thanks to Clay Tweel because he's great. Please go see his movie Gleason. It's lovely, and uh, if I were a betting man, I would say for sure it's gonna be up for an Oscar, so be ahead of the curve. Go see it before, you know, it's getting all, before it's up for awards season and that stuff. Um, watch his other movies, too. They're also great. Uh, who else do you need to thank? Oh, yeah, Hayden Fongheiser. Thank you so much for doing all the stuff that uh, I am not good at, like, you know, everything. Uh, also, uh, thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club. Um, if you want to know anything else about us, you know, we have a Facebook page. Come find us, like us, poke us, whatever you do on Facebook. If you, uh, want to look at our Twitter, it's terribly underscore funny. If you want to send us an email, it's terribly funny podcast at gmail.com. Um, we got our first fan email last week from a lovely lady named Danny. And man, oh man, did that warm the cockles of my heart. It was really, it, it, it made me feel like I'm not operating in a vacuum, and that's nice. Um... Also, if you feel like going to our, our iTunes page, you know, write a review. Uh, rate us. Leave a comment. All that fun stuff. I'm really just searching desperately for validation. Have you, has that come through yet? Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I hope you guys are great. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And, you know, have a, have a kick in the dick day. Lots of love.